Welcome to Suspending the Rules, Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. The House this week plans to take up a bill to prevent foreign meddling into U.S. elections. Meanwhile, the impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump continues. This is Suspending the Rules from Bloomberg Government. I'm Adam Taylor. And I'm Sarah Babbage. Today we're going to focus on that election interference bill, which is called the SHIELD Act. It aims to prevent foreign money from being used to influence U.S. elections and proposes other changes to campaign laws. Here to break it down for us are BGov legislative analyst Michael Smallberg. Hello. And BGov senior editor for Money and Politics, Ken Doyle. Hi, thanks for having me. So this bill has a few pieces to it. Let's take them one at a time. First up, and maybe the provision most specifically looking back at Trump's 2016 campaign is a requirement that campaigns disclose foreign contacts. What's happening with that one? Yeah, well, I think the, this ha- bill has to be looked at in the context of the of the controversy about the Trump campaign in 2016 uh, and, the, and the alleged uh, foreign uh, uh, cooperation between the Trump campaign and Russia, the, the factual findings in the Mueller report that there were contacts between the Trump campaign and Russia, and now the uh, investigation involving Ukraine. And this bill, I think, uh, the purpose of it really is to highlight that issue. Uh, the Democrats that are bringing it to the floor are also per- pursuing this uh, impeachment inquiry uh, at the same time. So, and and. The coming out of the Mueller report, there was the Trump Tower meeting with Donald Trump Jr. The uh, Mueller uh, decided not to prosecute that criminally because of questions about uh, the the borders of the limits of the law in that area. Uh, and this is an attempt to clarify and I think get members on record about whether they think that's okay. So what this bill would do is require candidates and campaigns to report to the Federal Election Commission and to the FBI if they have certain types of contacts with foreign entities. So that would include members of foreign governments and political parties, as well as their agents and representatives that could include, in some cases, U.S. lobbyists. Um, if those contacts involved, you know, a proposed contribution or donation in violation of federal yeah. campaign laws that ban foreign money in U.S. elections. But it could also include proposals for coordination um, or, or just frequent contacts related to the election. So there's it, a pretty broad net here in terms of how to try to capture It's been illegal for many years to, uh, for foreigners to spend money, try and interfere in U- or influence U.S. elections, and also for Americans to solicit foreign help. But there's uh, questions about what exactly that means. And the point is to clarify this, and especially, as Michael was just saying, this um, idea that if you're contacted by someone from Russia or another country who says, I'd like to help out your campaign, your first move should be to call the FBI. And that's the thing, of course, that wasn't done by the, by the Trump people. And what do Republicans have to say about this measure? Uh, I think that they may have their own substitute. They've basically talked about uh, beefing up uh, the Foreign Agent Registration Act. Um, they do not support this uh, concept of um, require an affirmative uh, requirement to, to contact the FBI if you're contacted by a foreigner. It's not clear to me, at least, uh, you know, the Republican leadership doesn't support that. It's not clear to me whether the uh, rank-and-file members will feel pressure to um, to vote for that when that uh, comes up. But they're in a tough spot because Trump, of course, is 
uh, push back against the whole idea that there was foreign interference, that there is, that this is even a legitimate uh, area to look into, the whole impeachment um, process he thinks is illegitimate. So Republicans are in a tough spot of whether they support, you know, tougher measures in this area uh, and whether Trump will look at that as, as a threat to him. This bill also includes the text of the Honest Ads Act. Tell us a little more about that. So this is a proposal that would require online or digital ads to include the same sort of disclaimer that we often see in broadcast TV and radio ads leading up to an election uh, where they're supposed to disclaim who's actually paying for that advertisement. So this bill does include some pretty specific requirements for digital ads to include a disclaimer. It even sets out you know, that there has to be, I think, like, uh, similar to how it's currently done with broadcast ads, a certain amount of time for there to be text and audio um, identifying who's paying for, for that advertisement. Yeah, this is an issue that um, has been a big issue uh, before the Federal Election Commission in terms of a regulatory proceeding that's really basically almost a decade old. They, they started talking about this. Uh, I think the main difference is um, whether a disclaimer, what they call a disclaimer, which uh, provides information about who's sponsoring an ad, whether that has to be on the face of the ad, on an online ad. Uh, uh, currently, that is required for print and broadcast ads. There's an argument um, by uh, the Republicans mainly that you should allow more flexibility for online ads, which would include, you know, having a little icon on the ad where you could click through and see who the sponsor is. There's a lot of argument about whether people would actually do that and whether that would accomplish the same purpose as the, the current disclaimer requirements, which, you know, I mean, have have been uh, around for a long time. And I think most people are familiar with the idea that, that you have to say, if you're running a political ad, you have to say who's who's sponsoring it. This bill would also require large online platforms like Facebook, Twitter, Google, to maintain a public record of requests for those ads. So in other words, a record of who was uh, looking to purchase the ad, what the re related election, or, or even just a general nat national legislative issue might be. Um, those platforms would also have to make uh, reasonable efforts to to block foreign purchase of those political ads. The bill says, for example, if someone's trying to make a purchase with a credit card, the platforms would at least have to verify that there's a U.S. billing address. Yeah. It's, again, this is similar to current requirements for broadcast that uh, radio and TV stations have to keep what's called a public file, which has information about who's buying political ads. Uh, so they would try and translate this into um, a requirement for online platforms. But there's a lot of debate about whether that uh, is even constitutional. There's some people that argue uh, that, that broadcast is different from online. And so there's actually current litigation about a state law that, that is a similar, uh, has a similar requirement. And these provisions were also included in H.R. 1, the big broad voting rights right. and, mm -hmm. and anti-corruption package yeah. that Democrats moved early in this Congress. Yeah. And, they, and that, of course, is stalled in the Senate, where the Mitch McConnell has said that he's not going to take it up. And there's a question about if they pass these things as separate uh, bills, you know, the provisions of H.R. 1 as separate bills, will the Senate, you know, consider some of them or, or continue to block all of them? Michael, what else is in uh, this package? There's another um, section of this bill that would make it illegal to spread false information about some of the details of an election, like like the date uh, and the location, or voter qualifications, or candidate endorsements. Uh, this is 
uh, again, and partially a response to some of the activity around the 2016 campaign, where there were reports uh, of, of Russian entities that were spreading misinformation um, about the elections themselves. And that's been a common problem in elections over the years, where you see, you know, deceptive practices. And, and then there's, you know, there's a, a response from the, um, from the Republicans that they uh, talk about something called ballot harvesting, and this is something that they may propose as an amendment to this bill when it comes up on the floor. Uh, this is the process of collecting absentee ballots from people, um, and, and uh, this has caused also problems with um, uh, election fraud in the past, and they see this as a, a potential source of fraud, and so they want to ban that process. So they're sort of competing proposals and, and ideas about what's a real problem in election fraud. We actually saw ballot harvesting come up in the last midterm election last year. With in, the North Carolina, North Carolina district where, that was, yeah, where they actually d said that they couldn't declare a winner because there was so much question about the ballot harvesting process. The bill would also um, prohibit campaigns from sharing non-public campaign materials, like non-public polling data, um, with some of those same types of foreign, you know, governments, political parties, uh, and their representatives. Yeah, and that goes back to the Mueller report and the and the finding that Paul Manafort uh, shared information with a person that was connected with Russian intelligence, and that's never been uh, fully explained. But it looks like that may have been sort of an attempt to solicit some help from the Russians by you know, knowing where the campaign needed help and so on. The House is also scheduled to take up a couple of other bills this week in what Majority Leader Steny Hoyer is calling a package to tamp down on dark money from foreign governments. Michael, tell us a little more about some of those other bills. Sure. Um, so one bill the House is scheduled to take up is called the Corporate Transparency Act. This is a bill that would require some entities that are trying to become corporations or limited liability companies under state laws those entities would have to disclose their true beneficial owners, the people who actually own that corporation or have a significant economic stake in it. Uh, and this is responding to concerns that shell companies um, can basically, in some cases, funnel pot potentially you know, foreign or other prohibited sources into U.S. elections, but that they can also be um, a source of entities that can engage in money laundering or, or other types of illicit financing. Um, it looks like House Democrats may try to modify that bill with another measure um, that would expand uh, and tighten money laundering laws, um, in some cases expanding the penalties, and in other issues it would change some of the reporting requirements um, for, for financial institutions um, that have to comply with those laws. And, and this has been an issue in the context of campaigns as well, where uh, you know, somebody sets up a shell company that contributes to a super PAC or even uh, runs, you know, its own ads and the, you know, the sponsor, the sponsorship uh, information that's required just comes up as something is sponsored by Americans for Peace and Puppies and nobody who's, knows who that is. And this, is, I think, is partly part of the purpose of this would be to get information about who's behind some of that effort. Put some teeth into the disclosure requirements. Exactly. There's another bill that's not directly related to dark money, but is related to elections that we wanted to mention here. The House Judiciary Committee this week is marking up H.R. 4, the Voting Rights Advancement Act, which would essentially reinstate federal preclearance requirements for voting changes in some states and localities. The Supreme Court overturned that requirement in the original Voting Rights Act, and this is House Democrats' uh, attempt yeah. to, to put it back. Yeah, another issue that they've talked about for a while as you know, that the Supreme Court decisions in this area have been, you know, um, destructive in terms of minority voting rights. And so this is something to kind of give a check back to the states that are imposing um, more voter ID requirements exactly, and that kind yeah. of thing? Mm -hmm. After those Supreme Court decisions, there were many 
states with Republican-controlled legislatures that put, uh, you know, much stricter requirements, voter ID and so on, that are seen by Democrats as attempts to um, limit voting by uh, minorities, younger people, people that are not, um, you know, may, may have less access to that type of um, identification. Some of that includes closing polling places, moving polling places, mm -hmm. limiting early voting. Um, there's a whole list that, that are actually in the bill of activities that, that would be potentially requiring preclearance. So we've already mentioned that the House passed H.R. 1, and that seems to be fairly dead in the Senate. Um, what about these measures, though? Do we think that any of them have any chance in the Senate? Or um, I know, Ken, you mentioned that uh, Republicans are introducing amendments, so it sounds like they're still kind of interested in advancing some of these issues. Um, what do we think is the outlook for getting through the House and then into the Senate? Uh, you know, honestly, I think it's more of a political exercise. I think that the, the Democrats are attempting to get Republicans on, on record on support or opposition to some of these um, uh, issues, and, and Republicans are trying to respond by having their own ideas that their members can vote for. But at this point, it doesn't look to me, I maybe maybe you guys think differently, that this is something that is, there's going to be a, a real effort to compromise and come up with solutions before the next election. Yeah, I, you know, when we look at some of these bills, I, I believe some of the standalone provisions, like the Honest Ads Act, dealing with, with um, you know, digital ad disclaimers, I, there have been some Republicans, I think, who have signed on to, to those right. proposals in the past. That's a possibility. Um, I mean, maybe you're right about that, that that's a possibility of, you know, compromise, but whether there's the will to actually get there is a different question. And when it's packaged with these other provisions that are in some cases, I think, explicitly responding to some of the issues involving the Trump campaign, I mean, that's kind of a deal breaker for many Republicans. Mm -hmm. Thank you, guys. Ken Doyle is Bloomberg Government's senior editor for Money and Politics, and Michael Smallberg is a legislative analyst. Thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us. That does it for us. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Find more on the subjects we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg Government at about.bgov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at bgov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Danielle Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Schenk. Theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nasita. More information on that can be found at premiumbeat.com. Amanda Icone, co-host of Talking Tax. Each week, we dig into the biggest tax and financial accounting challenges and opportunities from policy to on-the-ground realities. We bring you corporate leaders, accountants, and industry insiders. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. For more, check us out on news.bloombergtax.com.